Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Take your Bibles and join me in Psalm 37, if you would, this evening. Psalm 37, studying through the Psalms here. We only have, we're just going to take a couple more weeks in the Psalms, and then we're going to begin a brand new series in September. And, uh, and then maybe next year we'll come back to the Psalms if the Lord tarries. Maybe we'll be in heaven by then. <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad idea, huh? Amen. Praise the Lord. Many of us are praying for that. It's good to see my sister Nettie here. Nettie, when are you going back to paradise? Friday. Friday. Nettie's going back. So the weather's changing, Nettie. It's going to get nice here. You know, right, it is. It's going to be in the 80s, middle 80s. You know, that's what I said to my son. My son's here this evening. And uh, I said to my son, I'm leaving. I'm going to Florida where it's going to be 95 again. And now it's getting nice here finally, you know, middle 80s. So, but Nettie, it's great seeing you. And everybody here loves you, you know. And uh, I'm coming back with you. Don't tell my wife, Nettie. <laughs> she, oh, her too. Oh, you're not getting her. Yeah. She won't leave that easy. Amen. All right, Psalm 37. Uh, look at the screen, if you would. Let's see if I can get that back. Go back one, guys, if you would. This thing is so touchy, fretting. See that word? Fretting? Did you ever fret? Doesn't even sound good, does it? Say it with me. Fret. You don't say, I'm fretting. Because I'm fretting. Fret. What's it mean to fret? Say it now. Say it with confidence. To worry. Oh, now you understand that word, don't you? Do you ever worry? Hmm? Come on, you can be honest. We're, we're amongst friends. Do you ever worry? Do you ever hear this term, worry wart? Anybody hear worry wart? And we'll look. Worry. Fretting. So we would, I know we would say this. I know we would, we would uh, come to the conclusion that fretting is worrying. Right? However, did you, ever, did you ever hear anybody explain something by saying it's on steroids? So fretting is worry on steroids. You know, you know what it means, right? It, it, it just raises it up a level. <laughs> Somebody got interested in that, right? Uh, just a proper definition. Now, look at that. Fretting, to be constantly or visibly worried or anxious. So you see how, how it raises it up? You know, right? Uh, my wife, she's out, uh, coming home, begins to really rain really bad, and so I'm concerned that she makes it home safely, right? She calls me, she's leaving the market. You know, it's pouring, raining. 
you know, I'm, I'm concerned that I'm praying for she gets home safely. The market's you, three miles away. I'm thinking with the weather, she's going to be home in 10 minutes. Well, it's 30 minutes. I start to fret. You see the difference? Are you with me? Now, let's be honest. Have you ever fretted? Huh? Where you are constantly or visibly worried or anxious. Uh, there's an old English word for fret. It's the word fretton, F-R-E-T-O-N. And that word fretton uh, means this, listen to this. It means to devour like an animal. To devour, did you ever see, did you ever see some guys eat when they're hungry? And we might say quietly, man, he's devouring that like an animal, you know? So uh, the old English word for fretting we would just say, hey, he's worried, look, he's worried, she's worried. But fretting takes it to a different level. And the idea here is this, it's almost like you're being devoured. Look at it. Uh, you're being devoured like an animal. Or in other words, uh, when you fret, it, it, it consumes you. You're consumed by it. Are you with me? Hmm? You ever been consumed by your thoughts? You get, you know, you get that word that it is what you didn't want to hear. You know, that tumor, it is, it is malignant. Huh? That blood test did show that's diabetes. Or, you know, you got the on start of Parkinson's or, hello? You know, it is true what your coworker told you down at the job. They are going out of business, and after 35 years, you have no, hello? You start to maybe fret, and your thoughts, your thoughts consume you, right? Well, you're not alone, because when you, when you look at the Scripture here, uh, when you look at the Scripture, you find in verse number 1, the Lord saying to the psalmist, and by the way, who's the psalmist here? It's David, right? David, who, now get this, David, who is uh, labeled as a man after God's own heart. That speaks volumes, doesn't it? Talks about somebody who had a little substance, a little depth in his relationship. And yet the Bible says in verse number one, look, he said, God speaking to David, fret not thyself, fret not thyself. By the way, three times in Psalm 37, you'll find those words, fret not. Look, look at verse number seven. In the, right in the middle of it, it said, fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in the way. Verse eight, move on down. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. So three times in this one Bible passage, in Psalm 37, just a short, small Bible passage, three times you find the Lord almost commanding David, the psalmist, not to fret. And I think this, I think if God wanted to use the word worry, he'd have used the word worry. I think if he would have said to David, David, you're overly concerned, you know, move on. But no, the Bible uses the word fret. And when we speak about fret, we're speaking more than just worrying about something. We're speaking about being consumed by something. Hello? Where it's, it's almost devouring us. 
where sometimes you might even have to take some medication. Hello? I'm having panic attacks. I try, to, I try to push it out, but it just keeps coming back. I'm consumed. I'm fretting. I like reading Oswald Chambers. You ever read Oswald Chambers? I enjoy reading Oswald Chambers. And when I read it, I got to reread it and then maybe read it again. And then read it again because the brother was deep. And he speaks a little bit about fretting. And, and that spoke to my heart. John, when I read what he had to say about it, really spoke to my heart. And here's what Oswald Chambers said about fretting. He defined the development of fretting as this, and I quote, now get this. He defined it as, all fretting is caused by planning without God. Think about that for a second. All fretting, right, and we're talking about fretting now, right? And I, I left that up there so we can see what we're talking about. Not your average concern, but being overwhelmed. And he said, all fretting, when you get to this, when you get to this point, I, I think my clicker will work, look. When you get to this point, you're planning without God. You are, you are eliminating God from the equation. Did you hear that? I like that. You're, 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 you're calculating without God. Let's just slow that down for a second. Let's slow that down for a second, because sometimes I know I just go, I ramble. And you're still back where I just left you. Think about it for a second. And these are not my, this is not my definition. I, I told you, I was reading through Oswald Chambers. And he says this, when we're fretting, it's, it's, it's as if we're calculating without God. Well, I just found this tumor. What am I going to do? I got, I, got, I got a wife. I got some kids. I, I got some bills. I, got, I, got, I wanted to live more. I wanted to travel a little bit. You're calculating without God. You're planning without God. Did you hear that? Huh? He went on and said this. He said, uh, fretting rises from our determination to have our own way. Oh, that's rich. Fretting, let me say that again. Fretting arises or rises from our determination to have our own way. Man, just, just give that some thought. Give that some thought. Something occurs in life where I'm no longer able to do what I wanted to do. And instead of saying, but God, what's your plan? I'm overwhelmed. Huh? Because I never like to bring up your testimony or your situation, I was fretting in February and March when God tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, there's a church up in New Jersey that I might need you to go to. Well, he didn't say might. I just threw that in. I'll be honest with you, I began to fret. I, I was overwhelmed with it. I couldn't sleep. I, I was losing sleep. I was, I was getting, getting kind of anxious, you know? And, and, and the whole reason, I, I didn't want to do what God wanted me to do. I was calculating without God. Now, I learned this. I'm old enough in the Lord and been at it for long enough to know that the happy place 
the happiest place is not McDonald's. It's being right in the center of God's perfect will for your life. Hmm? And as much as I loved my life just the way it was, I knew that if God took his hand off of it and moved his hand over there, I needed to be over there to be as happy as I was over there. Did you hear that? Boy, I ought to preach this Sunday morning, huh? So that everybody can get in on this because life has a way of being unfair. But God never is. God's always got it under his control. And if we can just give that some thought. Look, if we believe that God's will is always best, then worry makes no sense unless we're out of God's will. Right? If God's will is always best, and I'm in God's will, no matter what happens, it's going to be best. Right? And so, in this psalm, in this psalm, here's what I think. I think God allows some adversity to come into the life of David. God ever mess with your plans? Hmm? God ever come down and just mess with your plans? You had it all figured out? Come on, how many of us? Roger, you had it all figured out, and then all of a sudden God said, mm-mm, not going to be that way. Right? So God messes with, uh, with David here, and, and now David's all, his focus is off. Look, look at it a little bit. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou, what's the next word? Against the workers of a ne- Wait a second, we're talking about David. God is saying to David, don't be envious against the workers. Huh? Look at, look at, look at verse 3 on down. Uh, I'm sorry, verse, uh, uh, verse 7. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in the way. So maybe David had his eyes uh, going in the wrong direction, and he's looking at the, the, you know, the family across the street. They don't go to church, Aaron. Right? Sundays, he's cutting the grass. She's shopping. They're in the pool, and yet in their driveway, they pull up with a brand new. What's your favorite car? The one you can't get. The one you can't have. That favorite, ja- you know, that, that pull up with that Jaguar, and you look out, and you got that 1977 Toyota Celica. And if that's what you're driving, God bless you. My, you got a Celica, don't you, Brother Preacher? <laughs> right? You, are you with me? And man, you know, you don't, say it, you don't say to your wife, look at this, or maybe you do. Uh, your, your wife doesn't say, look at them. But inside you're saying, man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Something wrong here. I'm going to church, I'm tithing my income, I'm serving God, and these people are... David, David had his eyes in the wrong place here. You see that? And so you know, what, you know what God says to him? He realized that David was fretting, and he says to him three times, fret not. Now, he didn't say to him, now get this, he didn't say to him, David, would you please, just don't worry. Did you ever, did circumstances ever stack up against you? And maybe your world seemed to be crumbling, and all of a sudden somebody walks up and says, hey, Aaron, don't worry. And that's supposed to make you feel better? <laughs> right? That's supposed to make you feel good. And, and you almost want to say to that person, I never thought about that. Thank you. That really helped me. Sometimes those words are so shallow, right? So God's not walking up to David and saying, David, don't worry. 
It's all going to work out in the end. God's got this. I got this. That's not what he says to him. In fact, he gives him, he gives him what I would call the cure for fretting. The cure for fretting. And, 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 and it, it just kind of flows in the psalm. Right? Let me point it out and then we'll, we'll comment. Uh, look at verse 3. First few words, he says what? Read it. Go to verse 4. First few words. Also in verse 5. Unto the. Verse 7. Hello. And so he says, uh, David, don't fret. Instead, look at me. Don't fret. Don't worry. It's all going to come out in a wash. No, he says, look here. Instead of worrying, what you need to do is this. Uh, pick it up. You need to just trust in the Lord. You need to trust in the Lord. Look at verse number three again. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. You see that? That's good counsel. That's good counsel. He, he's overwhelmed by adversity, the psalmist is. And God comes along and says to him, instead of fretting, you need to trust. Now, that sounds academic, right? You would expect a Christian to say that. But what does it mean? Listen, sight can be deceiving. You know that, right? Things aren't always what they appear to be. Isn't that right? Huh? Well, you've been deceived by what you see? by what you heard. And so may, maybe the Lord is saying this, maybe the Lord is saying, David, you're all overwhelmed by what you're looking at. You, lo you, you got your focus on the wrong things. You're disconnected here. You know, our, our, our human eyes can only view things as they seem to be. And that's why Proverbs says this, Proverbs cautions about a way that seems right to a man. Did you ever read that? There's a way that seems right. Why? Because our eyes can only see what appears to be right. Faith views things in a better way. In a better way. In fact, faith sees things as they really are. Faith enables us to see things through God's eyes. And that's a whole lot better. Wouldn't you agree? Huh? Faith enables us to see maybe through God's perspective. You know, and, and that, that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. And, and then he couples it. Look, look at it. Look at verse number uh, three again. He couples it with doing good. So here's what he says. Trust me and do good. So how does that, what is he saying there? Look at, look at, let me make it practical. Trust me and just do what you know is right to do. Just keep doing what you know is right to do. Huh? You know how many times I've seen through my Christian experience, brothers and sisters, in fact, even us, right? My, my sons here can testify, things that we have gone through, right? Look here, just because you, you, you're saved and you serve God, and maybe even you're in full-time service, doesn't give you an immunity card to pull out of your wallet. I wish I had one. I'd use it everywhere, you know? Uh, but we don't get the immunity card. There's no get out of jail free card for you and I. We gotta go through it. You know, that's just, that's just the way it is. 
right? Uh, and, and, and when we go through it, sometimes we have to be reminded that we're not going through it alone. God's got this. Are you with me? And, and what he wants us to do is just keep doing what you've always done. And here's something that I've seen through the years. People like you and I, churchgoers. Would you consider yourself a churchgoer? Sure you would. Churchgoers. God's kids, God's people. I mean, let's be honest. We trust God at a, at a different level, don't we? But I've seen some of our crowd get that news, and they just kind of stopped doing what they always did. And not because they couldn't do it. It's just they got sidetracked by something other. Are you with me? And so that's why the Lord says this, instead of fretting, look here, by the way, fretting does not make whatever is bothering you go away. Instead of fretting, just trust me and keep doing what you're supposed to do. That's the first bit of counsel he gives to the psalmist. Now that's not shallow. If I walked over and Aaron's got a frown on his face, his countenance is down, and I say to my brother, man, what's going on? And Aaron says, man, I just had a, just a rough day. Life has just delivered me with life. And I say to him, brother, look here, just trust God and just keep doing, just keep praying, just keep reading, just keep serving God, keep loving your wife, keep, that's better counsel than me saying, man, don't worry, it's all going to be all right. God bless you. Huh? He didn't need that, right? Can I, can I encourage you to do something? This just happened to me. Whenever God lays somebody on your mind or on your heart, would you go out of your way? Would you stop where you are? And would you just contact him and just say, hey, God's placed, placed you on my heart. I just want you to know right now I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. You don't need to preach a sermon. You wouldn't believe how far that goes. It happens to me all the time. All the time, people, people just out of nowhere, Pastor Yanizzi, I'm just thinking about you right now and praying for you. Man, I immediately text back, thank you for that. I really needed that. You have no idea what I was just going through. I just got off the phone with Steve. You have no idea <laughs> what I was just going through. Trust in the Lord and do good. And then he said this. He didn't stop there. The Lord didn't stop there. By the way, let me, let me, let me back up just for a moment and say this. According to God's economy, doing good is a sure remedy for fretting. Just do what you know. Why? I'll tell you why. There's joy in holy activity. Oh, John, write that down. There's joy in holy activity. I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the pulpit or to the podium with a whole lot. And as I was doing holy activity, you know, that was lifted. Now, I have to be fair and be honest, sometimes as soon as I finished, it was waiting right there for me. But I at least had 45 minutes of, of rest, yeah. There's joy and holy activity. And then there are those times when, you know what, I, got, I, I preached to myself in the message and I walked away and said, what in the world was I worrying about? Why was I carrying that load? Trust in the Lord, do good. And then he said this, verse 4, he said, there you go. Uh, look what he says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That's, that's one of those Hall of Fame verses, isn't it? Psalm 37, 4, how many got that memorized? Delight thyself also in the Lord, he shall give thee the desire. You know what I thought when I first got saved? 
Preacher, you know what I thought? If I get happy in the Lord, he's going to give me everything I want. Did you think that too? Man, say, well, I can get the new house, I can get the new car, I can get the new boat. All I got to do is get happy in the Lord. <laughs> but then I came to find out what that Bible verse really means. But this is, this is pretty much what he's saying. First we trust the Lord, then we delight our... See that word delight? I mean, can, can I tell you what that word really means when you, when you take it down to its foundation? It means this. It means to, to live properly. To live properly. Delight yourself in the Lord. Or in other words, our true happiness is in the Lord. We need to make the Lord the, the, Lord the joy and rejoicing of our heart. Did you hear that? I know in a group, this is, man, this is the group, right? This is the Wednesday night crowd. This is the solid core crowd. But let's just be honest. There are times when, when, is the Lord really the joy and rejoicing of our heart? Huh? I'll tell you right now, if I got a phone call from Florida and my son-in-law took my boat out and sunk it, Next week when I get to Florida, somebody's funeral is, and I hope he's watching tonight. <laughs> huh? but, but I know this, as much as that boat brings me some pleasure, listen to the words, it, it is not my joy. Because if your joy isn't anything that can be taken away, you got your joy misplaced. Amen? Things can bring some pleasure. And I'm all about that. I'm not at all encouraging you. Man, I, I like to play golf. I love to fish. I like, I like pleasure. I, like, I can't wait to get to Florida, get on my boat. I'm looking forward to that. But it's not the joy of my heart. Are you with me? The psalmist said, or the Lord said this to the psalmist, you need to delight yourself in the Lord. Make the Lord the desire of your heart. You know what happens sometimes when things go wrong? we tend to get our focus on that thing that went wrong. And somebody said this a lot of years ago. You've probably heard this. What, the, what, what that Bible verse is really teaching is this. When you get right with God and the Lord is, you know, on the throne, then he even gives you what to desire. He changes your desires. You take that, couple that with that New Testament passage of Scripture over in Corinthians where he talks about all things, you know, old things are passed away, behold, all things become new. He even changes our desires. Are you with me? So the psalmist is told by the Lord, A, you need to trust in me, and secondly, you need, you need to begin to delight yourself in me. Did you ever sing that old hymn, Jesus Never Fails? Did you ever sing that? It's true, isn't it? He never fails. And then, look at verse 5. In verse 5, he said this, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. Boy, this thing is touchy tonight, guys. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Right? Now, can I, can I just bring this to your attention? The commit to the Lord portion is still in the same discussion of adversity. Things haven't changed. David's still struggling here. God's still giving counsel here. What's the counsel? Well, you need to trust me, David. And then you need to, you need to, you need to get your heart on me. You, your heart needs to be, you need to delight in me. And then you need to commit yourself to me. 
or commit this situation to me. He's not talking about being committed as a Sunday school teacher or church member. He's talking about while you're going through this, this time of fretting, right? Because that's where, that's where we're at here. We're in this discussion, right? You just need to commit that to me. That's what he's talking about. And, and basically what he's saying is this. He's saying you need to roll your burden over to me. You need to leave it. You need to leave it with the Lord. That's the whole, that's the whole discussion. Here, here's a sister verse over in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. I know that Bible verse. Casting. For he cares for you. Huh? Right? And, and so we need to remember that God works on a grand scale. He operates according to the whole picture. And can I, can I just say this? Your worrying doesn't hurry him. And just because you're worried, you know, God doesn't say to Jesus, hey, we, we better hurry up because Ron is really worried. He's, he's, he's really getting on Sheila's nerves. I mean, you better hurry up now, you know. No, our worrying doesn't move God. God operates according to his own timetable. And when he knows we've had enough, he'll lift it. Or when we've learned our lesson, he lifts it. Or when we've gotten to that place where he wants us to be, he lifts it. Right? But it's all in him, right? He'll bring it to pass. You, you've heard it said 105 times, God sell, sell them early, but it's never late. Never late. And so, let me ask you this question. Have you ever considered <clears throat> how much worrying can do? I want you to join me in the New Testament, and this is on purpose. Look in chapter number 6 of the Gospel of Matthew, and let, let's rehearse just a couple of verses here that we've already probably discussed many times. Matthew chapter number 6, Jesus is speaking. He is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, right? Chapter 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 6, he's with his disciples, you know, his Bible Institute, basically. He's up on the Mount. And, and in verse 25, he says to his disciples this, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Now look at this. What ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body, more, uh, more, um, and the body uh, than raiment? He said, verse 27, which of you, now get this, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for, for raiment, for clothing? He said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You get this? Look at the next verse, verse 30. Wherefore, he says, if I clothe, if, if God clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of Little faith? You get that? I'm trying to slow it down a little bit. Look at the next verse. What's that first word? Therefore, as a result of, because of. The Lord says, listen, because of everything I just said, in verse number 31, he said this, take no thought. You know what he's saying right there? Don't worry. Stop fretting. Take no thought, he said. Uh, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? He said, after all these things do the Gentile, or do the heathen, or do the unsaved, or do the lost. 
concern themselves with, right? And then we come to that great Bible verse, verse 33. But, right? But instead of, instead of seek ye first the kingdom of God. So take that energy, take that same energy that you're worrying, fretting, take that same energy and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? The food, the clothing, the job will be added unto you. Right? God's saying, trust me, if you just do what you're supposed to do, I'll take up the government of your life. I'll take up the responsibility of your life. And, I, and I've promised to provide for you what you need. Isn't that a great promise? Psalmist says, you know, the Lord says to the psalmist, you need to trust in me, delight in me, commit to me. And then finally, verse 7, go back to that psalm in verse number 7. He said this, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And once again, fret not thyself because of him who prospers in the way. Rest in the Lord. You know, let me just say this. Now I'm coming around third and I'm going to close in a minute. Don't, lo don't lose this. Out of all of those commands, that final one, for me, requires more grace. Rest in the Lord. Say, so what's grace? Grace is God's help. I need God's help for everything. How about you? But that final one there, rest in the Lord, for me, requires more grace. You know why? Because at the core, let me tell you what he's saying there. What he's saying is, just wait upon me. Just wait upon me. And I want to say this, and you might, you might say, preacher, that's me as well. I am not a waiter. I'm not a waiter. I don't like to wait. Do you like to wait? I don't like to wait. I don't like to wait for anything or anyone. <laughs> right? I'm a doer. I'm a getter-dunner. Right? When I pull up to wherever I'm pulling up to, I want to get in. I want to get out. In fact, you ask Mrs. Genissi, if we're going to lunch, if I say to her, let's go grab a quick bite, and we pull up to a place, I look first. And if it's crowded, we ain't going there. That's what I wanted to eat, but you know what? If I, if I got to wait, I don't want to eat it. Huh? Now, I'm not, saying that's a, I'm not saying that's a positive trait. That's not a good virtue. And so when, when the Lord says to me, you need to just rest, I know this. I'm going to need extra grace. I'm going to need your help on this one, you know, because I'm, I'm not a waiter. I'm not a rester. I'm a doer. I'm a getter or <laughs> right? I want it done yesterday. It's just my nature. Psalmist said this in Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. But that's not easy. And if you're a good waiter, God bless you. If you're a good waiter, you need a good tip. I'm not a good waiter. In fact, right here, look in Psalm 34, verse, uh, verse uh, 34, uh, verse uh, 37, 34. He said, wait on the Lord, keep his way. Wait on the Lord, keep his way. He shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked shall be cut off, thou shalt see it. It's good counsel, but it's not easy counsel. But here's, here's the conclusion. God is worth waiting for. Huh? In 1977, 
It's a long time ago. I pulled up to the house of a young lady named Donna Panko. There she is, my bride. She wasn't my bride in 1977. I was her escort to her senior something, junior prom dance ring dance, I don't know, whatever. It was an event at school. I was her escort. Honestly, I didn't know her, never met her before. It wasn't a blind date because I saw her picture. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, if she was ugly, I wasn't going. I was very shallow back then. I'm not that much deeper now, but I was very shallow then. And I saw her picture, and my buddy's girlfriend was her girlfriend, and so long story short, all right, I'll go. And so I pull up to her house, me and my friend, going to pick her up for her, her uh, school thing. I mean, a big event, you know, I mean, shoot and the whole deal, you know. And she was, you know, supposed to be dressed. And so we go inside, walk in. I think, I don't know who opened the door, but we go in her house. She's not there. Her grandfather's there. His name is Boom Boom. <laughs> and I thought, this is not starting off that good. And he's sitting there with a cup of coffee looking at me like, who's this guy? And I see him with a spoon throwing the coffee. Who's this guy? I said, hi, how are you? How are you? Hey, how are you? And then all of a sudden, this little girl comes out, maybe 10 years old, my wife's sister. I didn't, I never met her before. I didn't know her from the man on the moon. She walks over and says, give me a kiss, baby. I'm, I'm not, this is, Steve, this is gospel truth. And I'm, I'm looking at my friend saying, what in the world have I gotten myself into? First of all, brother preacher, I don't dance. I didn't dance back then. I was a wallflower. You know, I just stood there and looked cool. Dance? Now I'm going to a prom or a thing, right? Give me a kiss, baby. Got the grandfather eyeing me up. And there's no Donna Panko to be anywhere seen. Was anybody else in the house that night? I was so overwhelmed by that, I couldn't see anybody else. Got a barking dog, name was Cognac. Thought this dog's probably drunk from drinking Cognac, who knows? And then, Brother Spawn, and then, down the steps, comes this girl in this dress. And I, you know what? Immediately, I got a revelation as to why Adam named Eve woman. I said, whoa, man. <laughs> whoa. And John, it made the waiting worth it. And she came down, her hair was all, man. And I thought, where have I been all her life? Man, I always say, hubba, 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 hubba. Man, it made the worth, the weight worth waiting for. <laughs> you know why stories are funny? Because they're true. And that's nothing but truth. And after that night, after that first date, I had no intentions when I got there and met her grandfather and her sister wanting to kiss me. 
And I'm thinking, I'm never coming back here again. I'm never coming back here again. After she came down the steps, I thought, can I move in? Where's that kid? Let me give her a kiss. Grandpa, let me. <laughs> I'm moving in. Huh? Man. Three and a half, four years later, I married her. Huh? She didn't want to. I'll tell you this story another time, but the first night I asked her to marry, you know what she said to me? Ask me tomorrow. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Ask you tomorrow. I said, all right. First thing in the morning, I woke her up 4.30 in the morning. Hey, it's me. It's tomorrow. No, I didn't. I waited until about nine or so. Hey, remember what I said to you last night? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you know, somebody said this. They say, a silent tongue shows a wise head and a holy heart. Hmm? And every once in a while, God wants us just to rest or wait on him. He's got something great planned for us. You know, and it's hard to see it through these eyes, isn't it? He's not finished. We're a work in progress. He loves us so much. And whatever his will is, it's best for us. Even if it's not what we want, it's best for us. Did you ever hear the conversation between the robin and the sparrow and the sparrow and the robin? Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. That's the discussion between the robin and the sparrow and the sparrow and the robin. And there's an old proverb that says this, worry gives a small thing a big shadow. Huh? That's a Swedish proverb, not a proverb of Solomon. There's a, there's a Chinese proverb that says this, he that anticipates calamity suffers it twice. Huh? It's just best to just trust the Lord, delight ourselves in the Lord, commit our, our, ourselves to the Lord, and rest in the Lord. That's what the psalmist found out. Amen? Maybe that's what we'll learn tonight. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for that psalm. Thank you for the life of the psalmist that was put on display for us to examine this evening. I'm so glad that you allow us to take peeks into people's lives. And, and even though we see their weaknesses, we see how you counsel them and they became strong. This David became a man after God's own heart. And we thank you for that. And during our times of difficulty, as we live life, and life is fluid, we have no idea what tomorrow will bring, we pray that you'll help us not to be overwhelmed by any one thing, but to just trust you. May we wait on you, because we know the outcome is worth it. We ask in Jesus' name, and amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.